just a click away. Whoa, children. We're just a click away. We're just a click away. Oh, man, now I made myself sad because that's probably true. (laughs) I hadn't thought of it in that way. And that's our cold open. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Has nothing to do with with anything. All right. Well, take it away, Cap. Uh, okay welcome back everybody <laughs> welcome back uh i am adam this is dax that I'm, <laughs> i don't know it's been a while since we've done one of these what, what is this tone that we're starting with I, Where, <laughs> you know what i feel like this is appropriate because we are watching captain america the first something the first avenger that's right the first of them yes the very but not the first released mcu film no it is the fourth released mcu film but chronologically it is the first or that or i'm i'm sure there's stuff from eternals or like the other things that precede this movie chronologically yeah but the as far as an entire film goes. Why um, are you so angry about I this? I don't know. I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm anticipating <laughs> someone being very, very particular and saying, no, well, actually, this thing takes place before. Um, for all intents and purposes, this is the earliest chronological MCU film. Yes. So we are going to hit play in three, two, one, play. Motion picture has been rated PG-13, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so we're watching this on Blu-ray. However, you could just watch this on Disney+. Plus. We are not, we're, not, sp- we're not being sponsored, but we, we sure would like to be. We're not sponsored by Disney in any way, shape, or form. Um, we have the stars falling down. Those stars coming along. That's right! Yeah, this was back when Paramount That's, had the, oh. uh, the distribution deal with Marvel Studios before Marvel Studios was bought by Disney. Oh my god, I keep forgetting. <laughs> well, so so they bought Marvel in its entirety for $4 billion. I would say that's, that's well done business, considering <laughs> you know... I think that was a more wise business decision than buying Star Wars, to be honest. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, the reason um, I wanted to watch this movie not just because it's uh the first well i guess that is part of the reason <laughs> i don't know why i'm I mean, phrasing it this weird yeah. part of it is that it is like the one of the first chronological marvel stories but also because uh, adam you are a huge marvel fan yes you, you possess a lot of knowledge about this universe not just the cinema but the comics and you were in fact were playing a Oh, yeah, I was playing Avengers when you came in. <laughs> you were playing an Avengers game right when I arrived. Um, I, so I don't I don't understand what you're saying here, Dak. <laughs> but it's important to you, and we haven't really uh, watched anything within the MCU yet, so I, I wanted to bring that into what we're doing. I appreciate that, and, and <laughs> for you humble listeners sitting at home, I don't know why I always assume you're humble. You, you could be jerks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, but <laughs> it's true. It's possible. But we're we're gonna hope <laughs> that the humble situation is in fact the case. Right. I'm sorry. Go right. Ahead. But no. Like I just I think it's it's important to know that Dax sprung this one on me. So I'm very happy. Yay. One of my favorite <laughs> movies. So yeah. Cool. Let's do this. Yeah. And Captain America specifically. I mean, I feel like I'm not going out on a limb here. Is your favorite? Marvel uh, character? <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a very close fight between uh, 
Cap and Spider-Man as far as which one's my favorite. But I'd like, like to see that fight. Captain America, it's like, you know what it is? It's like they're the two that I identify with mm. in the like, you know, with Spider-Man. It's the nerd who gets picked on all the time. Push up invisible glasses. <laughs> uh, but with Captain America, it's like, I I really love the fact that in the comics, and it's what you see with the later movies, he's dealing with the fact that like everything he signed up for, everything he allowed the military to like test his like, you know, test fucking the super soldier serum on him, that America doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And it's him trying to reconcile those nineteen forties ideals right. with modern America. Which is like Interesting. Yeah, it's it's fascinating the whole man out of time concept. And yeah, just always really loved. I mean, I I love this country. Hmm. It just you know some bumps, <laughs> some bumps, some bumps. <laughs> there are some bumps. Here That's where I'm there. gonna leave it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but to touch on what you're, um, just on what you said that uh, Cap and Spider Man. I'm trying to think of like in the MCU what interactions they've had, and there's a lovely moment in Endgame I think where um, uh, Cap says. Hey Queens, uh, watch out or something like when he's talking to Spider Man. Yeah, I can't remember what it is. He like throws something at him, or Which, he's like <laughs> helping him out. But it's like a lovely little moment between the two of them. And it's it's made even better by the fact that you have, you know, it's basically the continuation of that moment in Civil War, where Cap asks Peter where he's from, and he says Queens, and Cap's like Brooklyn, and runs off. And just like, <laughs> That's cool, New yeah. Yorkers. <laughs> they're just they're just a couple of kids from Queens and Brooklyn. You know, beating the ever living shit out of each other in Germany. <laughs> there are a lot of there's a lot of New York in the MCU. Um, I, well, most most of the Marvel comics take place in New York. Yeah, it's like that is a city that gets disproportionately smashed. <laughs> right, there are other cities <laughs> that could be smashed, but it's just something about that one. Ah, oh no. So it's been a while since I've seen uh, this particular Captain America movie. Um, my favorite. Oh, see. Okay. So the Hydra thing came up and I'm going to abort the conversation I was about to start there because I want to show something to you, Adam. Oh. And this is the Hydra pin I got in Loot Crate a number of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you do with that? <laughs> Which I, I have a, a funny brief story. <clears throat> I wore one time when I went to Disneyland <laughs> and I went into the Marvel shop and uh, whoever was working behind the counter saw the pin and was like, oh, hail Hydra. <laughs> and you're like, no, no. <laughs> I was like, um, I, I appreciate the character and being being kept in character but it's also kind of a no i'm sorry I've please upsetted. please forgive my uh my dog is very old and senile and he hates nazis i mean that i'm not gonna apologize for <laughs> but no like it's it's like i understand people who want to root for the villains in situations like you know transformers because the decepticons are fucking cool they're like jets and tanks and shit but when you're rooting for Hydra, it's like you realize that this is the group that thought that Nazis were moderates, right? Right. The Nazi parallel. Yay, go Hydra. Like, the whole point of Hydra is that they're extra Nazis. Hey, hey, Hydra, let's go. Clap, <laughs> The Tesseract. Uh. 
Nope. That wasn't it. Um, it's it's funny that they call it the Tesseract because in the comics it's called the Cosmic Cube, and I can understand why you'd be like, maybe we don't go with that one. <laughs> well, does it ever, I forget, does the Tesseract ever show actual Tesseractness within itself? No. Like, it doesn't have, because it's, the, the actual shape of a Tesseract goes, like, into, within the cube, to a cube within the cube, right? Something like that. Yeah, but I think the whole concept is that it's a it's a multi-dimensional cube because it teleports. Right. It teleports you into your own Disney Plus show. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Loki learned. So um, this this serpent that's eating uh it's eating the roots of the tree of life is the Midgard Serpent, as I was informed by my brother-in-law, who really enjoys oh. Norse mythology. And within mythology, it's like Thor is constantly fighting the Midgard Serpent to a degree where it's like irresponsible, like something much more important will be happening, and the Midgard Serpent goes by, and he's like, well, later, I'm going to go kick the shit out of that. <laughs> <laughs> See, something I appreciate is just the level of detail that they've gone into over all of these. That was our uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark reference. And this movie is directed by Joe Johnston, who was the second unit director on Raiders of the Lost Ark. I didn't know that. And directed the truck chase sequence. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, that's why it feels so adventure Like in that, in fact, I mean, this could be an opening to an Indiana Jones film. Oh, of course. So easily. Do we know why Hugo Weaving didn't return for uh, Red Skull later he, on? I understand that like the makeup was a lot, but also he talked about how he didn't really want to do any more big high concept pieces, which is funny because shortly after they made Cloud Atlas. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, he was just getting tired of doing like massive tent poles and wanted to do more artistic work. And mm. which, yeah, I'd say Cloud Atlas falls into a weird in between of those two. But yeah, I mean, I, I will say that Ross Markhan coming back and playing Red Skull basically because he's a celebrity impressionist and can just do impressions. Mm. So yeah. And at, at this point, it's like, they can just CG his face entirely because it's going to constantly be a red skull. They can bring him back whenever they want. Hmm. They even actually, they got Ross Marquand to come back and play um, Ultron in What If instead of getting James Spader. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I haven't watched through What If yet. Uh, it is going to be important. Is it? So is this, is What If actually, because at first I was kind of like, oh, this is like sandboxing around just for fun. But Knowing kind of what's happening with Spider-Man and with um, the upcoming Doctor Strange, it's now the realization that, huh, maybe all these yeah. alternate realities are actually kind of important yeah. and relevant. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Like, for one thing, I'm, I've am i always been a really big fan of The Watcher. Like, just conceptually, I find that to be such a cool idea for a character. Hmm. And the fact that, one, we got to see Watchers in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but to have Uatu the Watcher, who is the specific Watcher that watches over the Marvel Comics universe, hmm. bring him in as a character and have him be Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> like, it was, that was great. And then they got all, almost all of the, you know, the original cast to come back and play all their parts. 
And apparently, like, the only ones that didn't come back were ones that, like, the phone calls didn't get through their agent. Oh, their really? Agent just, like, cartoon, whatever. Oh, that's that sucks. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, it's, I think it is going to be important. I think that they're, you know, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen the trailer for the next Doctor Strange. <laughs> but it definitely seems like we're going to be seeing one of at least one of the characters from What If crossover into... Mm. Doctor Strange. Well, Even, then like, some of the same visuals popped up between the trailer and uh, what if. Well, then I'll check it out. And I just I want to comment a few things. We're past the moment, but I love the moment of him picking up the trash can lid mm-hmm. and holding it. It just visually is such. I don't know. It just it strikes something where it's like you have this image of what's going to happen to him very very early on. Um, yeah, I, I never really know how to feel about that personally, just because it's just like I see it, I'm like, ah, ah, it's a yeah. little cheesy. It's the same thing later on when he picks up the car door that has the star on it. <laughs> oh, I've forgotten about that moment. I don't know. I just I I thought it was cute. So this is fun because it's, you know, the same fairground where um, they have Stark's Expo in um, Iron Man 2. And then also it's the actual World's Fair Fairground in Brooklyn. Right. (laughs) Oh, Dr. Phineas Horton's Synthetic Man. That is the original Human Torch. Oh. Yeah, he wasn't actually a human. He was an android that burst into flames when oxygen touched him until he was able to get it under control and then use it to fight crime. (sighs) Also, Bucky's date there is Jenna Coleman, who played Clara on Doctor Who. See, this is why <laughs> this is why I'm glad we're watching this with you because I know you know all these things. <laughs> um I I want to comment on just cuz it, it's so easy to take for granted, but the amazing effects work they did on Oh, for, his, for little Steve, uh, yeah, uh, for putting his head on that on that body, it's really imperceptible. Yeah, it still looks great, and you know, here we are, almost ten years at this point from this movie. Yeah, I think it's been longer, hasn't it? Or has uh, it? When did this the come box out? Is right there. <laughs> Hold on. With this lovely, I, you had some. Yeah, I was commenting on on the box earlier. <laughs> like this the, Blu-ray. <laughs> I got the limited edition 3D version and the picture on the front, I asked Dax, I'm like, what direction do you think they gave him for this photo shoot? Aside from like, give me stoicism in the face of just how goddamn great America is. <laughs> it really is the exact vibe <laughs> looking at it. It's, it's, it is kind of amazing. Um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's 2011. It's a little 11. It's only been, what year is it? Again, <laughs> it's it's 2022. It's All right, been, it's been 10 years. All right, it's been 10 years and just a little change. We are we are past. Well, happy decade anniversary to to Cap's first outing. There you go. All right. Oh God, Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci does such a great job in this movie with a character that like he's barely in it, but. You need to feel him in everything Cap does going forward. Right. Because the speech he has about, like, make sure you stay a good man. 
all the way through the rest of the, you know, every time Cap shows up in these movies, he's carrying that legacy. Another thing I'm noticing here, there's a very strong sepia tone push in the color grading in an effort to make this feel like an older film and to make it feel like an older time, like a more early Technicolor. Because when Technicolor first started out, they didn't have full three-tone color film. So they would sometimes have to pick two. So you'd pick like maybe, you know, like a sort of yellow and a blue. And you would like have just those two colors and try and make something work. Um, and that limitation is also something I think they, they try to do in the movie Amelie pretty strongly. We have like a very limited color palette sometimes, but um, yeah, here it works really well just to evoke a certain time and era and it gives it its own distinct, you know, like compare this to winter soldier looks totally different. Oh yeah. Um, which, which I think is, it's, it's such a great choice, and I remember when they were talking about uh, having the Russo brothers come in to do Winter Soldier instead of Joe Johnston. Hmm. I was really curious as to why, but it makes sense, because Joe Johnston is great at this. He did this with The Rocketeer. He did this with, again, working on Indiana Jones. But I personally, I haven't seen a Joe Johnston movie that could fit with the modern era of Marvel. Right. It works in this pocket. Mm-hmm. In this specific era that they're going for here. And it helps define why Cap is such a fish out of water later on throughout so much of the MCU. Because also, this is his home. It, one of the things I think is really great is the fact that this feels almost like a Spielberg movie. Yeah, Because definitely. Joe Johnston is coming from, again, working in that whole legacy of the new Hollywood era. So, yeah. Good, good shit. And and to be clear, I'm not putting down um, any of the other movies. I'm just, I just am trying to point out why this one has a uniqueness and feels, um, it kind of stands out in a way from a lot of the other Marvel movies. Um, but uh, Winter Soldier, the second Cap movie, is actually one of my favorite in the entire like I, MCU. Yeah, that's that's been pretty consistent when I talk to people about like their favorite movie. It's almost always Winter Soldier. It's really good. Yeah. I, I just watched it again last week and was like, God damn. <laughs> like, this is a really, well, really action-y, like, solid film in so many ways. It's one of those things that, like, um, Kevin Feige talked about how he wanted to make movies that they weren't making superhero movies. They were making all right, this is a war movie that happens to have a superhero in it. Or uh, Winter Soldier is a 1970s political thriller that happens to have a superhero in it. Right. The new Doctor Strange movie, they're like, oh no, this is going to be a horror. This is a horror movie with a superhero in it. Sam Raimi! Yeah, can't wait for that. I'm I'm excited. Um, well, even like Endgame is a heist movie. Yeah. It's like an Ocean's Eleven story <laughs> with all the Avengers. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I think that that's a really great way to approach something like this because it's when when you treat the superheroes like they're just people and you tell stories with them as opposed to the story is just the fact that they have powers. Like, Right. Well, that's kind of why they stopped making solo Hulk 
movies because Hulk is not necessarily, he's very one note. He's not necessarily as interesting on his own as when you put him with other characters and other heroes. Like, I, that's that's I would personally agree with that. However, I I was having a conversation with my buddy Jose last night about Hulk books, and he was recommending Immortal Hulk. Apparently, hmm. that one's really good. But yeah, it just it always seemed to me that the Hulk is a great supporting character, but almost every book is like, oh no, now he's being mind controlled. Right. <laughs> I'll just say like a little Hulk goes a long way. So, so it, it, for an entire movie's length, it's a harder thing to justify in comics. Sure. You're like, what's Hulk doing this week? You know what? Let me read this chapter. Oh no. Now he's getting mind control. Right. That, that works perfectly fine. (laughs) I've forgotten a lot of this and it's funny now watching it, realizing a lot of what happens later in all the other films. You've probably seen this a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. What's funny, this is actually the movie that made me decide I need to stop going to see movies at midnight because I went to this <laughs> and fell asleep. Oh, no. Another favorite moment for me is when um, this doctor shows up. Arnim Zola. As the as like when Zola shows up as the um, the computer yes. in in the second movie yes <laughs> using like <laughs> like miles Old of data banks of, yeah. of data banks I was like this is nuts great <laughs> and we have Agent Carter well and you know I'm if you haven't read the comics uh, Arnim Zola in the comic has basically kept himself alive he built a robot body that has a camera for a head and a TV monitor in the chest and ah. like that's where his face is <laughs> it's very weird <laughs> comics are weird the comics are weird and the extent to which they've maintained a good amount of that weirdness oh yeah I think oh, I, I will say later on in the movie there is a point where Zola's grabbing a bunch of documents and throwing them in his bag and one of the things he grabs is a blueprint for that robot body really yeah oh my god it makes me wonder how many things they had planned in a lot of these movies like I was just thinking about um how funny it was like the actor for Vision um Paul Bettany Paul Bettany um how I wondered, like, well, so they brought him on to be Jarvis, right? Yeah, and Did, he was, like, doing all of his work for the movie in, like, an afternoon. And and then it's, like, at, how early on did they realize, oh, wait, we're going to need him to be a full-on character <laughs> in these other and, movies. And sit in a makeup chair for hours <laughs> on end. Was that a planned casting choice? Like, was he planned, was he casted with that in mind is like a question. I, I, I don't know. I would love to know the answer to how far I, in advance they were, you know, thinking of some of these things. One thing I do find um, really impressive, though, is that apparently for WandaVision, they've gotten the technology to the point where they literally just paint his whole head blue. And then there's a couple <laughs> tracking dots and they just CG everything else. That's amazing. Yeah. And something that I do appreciate is the through line of a lot of the Captain America movies is it never it never leaves the idea 
I don't know, it'd be so easy to be like, he's super strong and that's it. But it never leaves the idea, he is a soldier. He is a, he is a patriot and he serves his country. And, and that, you know, and I guess it kind of goes in a bit of a different direction when it comes to civil war. But like, there's always this feeling of, uh, it's like when he, he's talking to Falcon when he first, you know, in in the second movie. And it, it it's like, oh, what, you know, what faction were you? Or he like asks him what his you know, his military background was. and Faction? I don't know. I'm not good with these terms. <laughs> what unit were you? You know the line I'm talking yes, about. Yes, yes. What is it? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Well, now, uh, what, what, I, what I love about this moment, the whole thing they talk about is that the super soldier serum, it just enhances whatever's already inside you. And that moment of all these people trying to get the flag by climbing the pole, and then he just pulls the pin... Because he stops and he thinks about things. And what ends up happening, the super soldier serum hits him, and he is now suddenly a master strategist. Like, every time the Avengers go into a fight, Cap is the one calling out the orders of where they need to be, who's covering what. Right. Yeah, he, he's a master tactician. He has photographic memory. Yeah. Well, and that's why it's kind of it's kind of poetically satisfying in Endgame when he, he's the one that says you know the final like assemble mm-hmm. like he is the captain of this army that's gonna uh, go attacking well he, that's also <laughs> yeah like in the comic he was he, he was usually the one to say it if basically if he was on the team at that time he was the one to say assemble and yeah it's always in that like big block red text avengers assemble and you're like <laughs> yeah fuck yeah assemble motherfuckers you know what's funny uh that this scene, and maybe it's simply because of the actor that's been chosen, um, but uh, the scene does remind me of Men in Black, <laughs> of of vetting uh, Will Smith's character mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is oddly similar. <laughs> I mean, but also like this is a very perfect Tommy Lee Jones role. It is, but it's just because of him. It feels okay. so similar to that. <laughs> I, I actually, I don't want to talk over this because this scene is perfect. Okay. We're going to sit and listen to this scene.
Guo Weaving makes a lovely Nazi. Hmm. Yeah, so... That's a lovely scene. To the little guys. <laughs> yeah yeah so like to me everything about cap about cap is in that scene yeah no, and, I, I agree and at the same time like i said with stanley tucci he's barely in this movie but again you feel that specific speech for the entire rest of the marvel franchise that's true because like everything about being a hero is in that. I also like that it touches on the fact that there were a lot of people in Nazi Germany who needed to flee, you know, mm -hmm. who, who were not down with what Hitler was doing, and uh, yeah, quite quite a number of scientists, artists. Just... I mean, that's how we got Einstein. Yeah. You know, substitute super soldier serum for atomic bomb. That's why a lot of our films started looking better, too, because we got all the German cinematographers. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not a joke. This is really kind of what happened. Um, but, uh, well, so one thing that I find funny is like, yeah, a lot of times in movies, you'll see um, Nazis that have this like, you know, a Norse or like a cult belief and they're like hunting for ancient artifacts and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, that stuff did happen. But the guys who actually like, they created their own religion, mm. like their own like version of like Norse Aryan mythology and a bunch of guys converted to it. But those were also like a minority that were kind of just seen as weird by everybody else. And it is right. Like, you know, Hitler would use it to inspire people, but he didn't actually believe that shit. I just want to say that as an artist, I feel the pain of having to do a thing that I don't. That I don't want to do that. That one painter, just like I feel such disdain for this thing that I'm doing. Right? right. <laughs> is, is it disdain or just knowledge that like this man has no problem having me killed if he doesn't like this painting? Right. <laughs> I sympathize. Never been quite in that situation. Well, also, you know, he's looking at that skull mug all day. 
Mugmeat's face. <laughs> this is this is me all the way in any in any romantic conversation. Except no woman would ever step on you <laughs> unless you asked. <laughs> well, even then. <laughs> Again, it's so well done. Yes. I cannot I cannot tell. Their romance is like the great romance of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Like Tony and Pepper, like, yeah, it's, it's fun. The it's last, cute. It's the last shot of Endgame, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Which feels appropriate, you know? I... So in the comic, uh, this old woman behind the counter was actually... Uh, Agent Carter in disguise. Oh. Yeah. The comic is told from the perspective of, like, uh, a couple government men coming in to this antique shop. The, the woman, like, lets them through, go in, and, like, everything else is pretty on point. Um, but they've made Agent Carter a much more prominent character here, which I really appreciate. I love Agent Carter. Now, I haven't watched... Um, her series is it I mean it's is it, fun is it fun I mean but it also fits in the continuity I'm assuming of that's kind of what we're waiting to find out oh, okay like, I mean granted with what they've been doing recently everything is in continuity right thanks to multiverses <laughs> but the actor who played Jarvis uh, the butler in Agent Carter shows up again in Endgame. As, yeah, when they're yeah, when they're back in the 70s. In time. Yeah. Um so like we that's a purposeful re- reference but also Agent Carter was heavily tied into Agents of Shield at the same time and Agents of Shield still trying to find out what's going to happen with that. I know there's like a fan campaign to try and get the show brought back. But also the show had like 7 or 8 seasons. Right. I I was looking at because my dad was asking about it. He's been watching through a lot of this stuff. And, and he he was asking about like when certain things took place. And so I found uh, online, I was looking through a list of people attempting to chron- chronologically place things. And it's hilarious because like every three movies, there's like another few episodes of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. That they'll say, the episodes seven through three or seven, right. seven, seven of season one through three of, of two take place here. And... Um, and apparently it's gotten to the point where like they didn't even because they weren't they didn't know about like the Thanos snap or things like that. And right. So the, they don't even mention it when it when, when half the world disappears. And and it's like it's got to be hard to be making this series without having knowledge of like every single thing that's happening in these other movies. At I mean, the time. I kind of have to wonder if basically like they could just write it off and say like oh well all of this happened before the snap but i also stopped watching it like the last two seasons <laughs> right <laughs> so i don't know where it went i was like man i was with that show i was with that show for the for a long time and then you're right it was getting to the point where i'm like infinity wars coming infinity wars coming you're not going to we're not going to have any reference to this <laughs> at all all right you know what why am i even here <laughs> well apparently i remember hearing from people who were watching shield when the the winter soldier came out and it was like that's when the show got good they were saying like they were waiting until this because of 
the ramifications of what happens in Winter Soldier, where it's like, this has a pretty heavy impact on S.H.I.E.L.D. specifically. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't, like, deal with that until that movie happened. Um, it, it's, it's funny, because, like, going back now, I think it's like, everyone was watching that show being like, what is this? Like, why are we just, like, monster of a weaking this? And then... <laughs> when Winter Soldier happened and the show actually had a point and a direction, you're like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so then it's like, to me, it's like how when I watch Doctor Who, like, you can watch the the earlier stuff knowing where it goes and that can kind of push you through. I feel like maybe going back and watching the early episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. may not be, you know, as... Uh, pleasant. Taxing. <laughs> I don't know. I have nothing against Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I really enjoyed that show. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's, it, yeah. It, with Knowing what we know now, going back and watching it and seeing those episodes is what they are. It's just like work a day. Like this is what being S.H.I.E.L.D. agents is. Dealing with shit like this. Oh no! Winter Soldier happened. <laughs> I am personally more of a format of how of lengthwise of what the shows have now become where it's we're doing six episodes. They're anywhere from like half an hour to an hour or whatever. Um, that's a more manageable thing for me as sure. far as like keeping up uh, and shield. How many episodes a season was it like? I, more I think standard? that was back in the like right around the cusp of when we stopped doing 22 episode seasons. Shh, it's so insane. It's insane. Trying to do a show that's over twenty episodes. A I'm season. I'm gonna look this up now. <laughs> this is this is the kind of stuff that people come to us for. <laughs> well, there's so much that we could talk about, like within the movie, without out without the movie, <laughs> out of the movie. <laughs> oh, Steve, it's getting zapped. There is such a this I I make this reference all the time. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> it's it's that you know when you try to carry all your groceries in at once instead of <laughs> making multiple trips and the plastics just like cutting through your fingers and you're like no. I can do this. I can do this. The bag is tearing, sir. No. No. <laughs> I, I can do this. I can do this. It's just a random thought that popped into my head, but I love the costumes and I love the attire. And I think there is a, there was a class. To, look at that vest. Yeah. There was a class to how people dressed in the forties. This is your money shot, ladies and, and gentle folks. Look how sweaty that very he, chiseled man is. He's very oiled. <laughs> he's very, he's very, they want him to shine. <laughs> yeah man these are 22 episode seasons that's crazy that's so much that's a lot to watch through <laughs> but it's the same for the other ones too right for like um daredevil and uh uh no it was daredevil okay, shorter so it looks like in season six and seven they went to 13 episodes oh, okay um good <laughs> you know, daredevil and all the netflix shows were 13 episode seasons Wow, so it's like halved each time. <laughs> yeah, and and now you know we're down to six episode seasons, which I think is, I think it's good because part of the problem that the Netflix shows ran into budget 
No, I, it was that structurally they were made like you were reading two arcs of a comic. So it was like around episode six, something really dramatic would happen. And then you'll have another five, five episodes of build to get to, you know, the last episode. It was just like, because when you read a comic, and I always use like the Punisher as an example, like Garth Ennis's Punisher uh, Max run, where it was basically like in a six issue arc, you would have in the first issue, you see him finishing up a previous job, finding out about the next job, followed by four issues of watching somebody just be absolutely terrible, followed by a sixth issue of him just going in and fucking up their shit. <laughs> and like, yeah, so it's like they were kind of following comic arc where it's just like build 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 dramatic all right next arc build 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 dramatic and it's just like yeah but tv shows aren't structured that way yeah that was a good shot in more ways than one there's a lot of things that I really appreciate because it's been it's been really interesting to watch the MCU grow as just an absolutely it's such a massive franchise that the only thing comparable is Star Wars. And even that Star Wars only has 9 movies. You know, I mean, of the Skywalker saga and then you got to take in Solo and uh Rogue One, but the Clone Wars movie. Yeah, regardless. <laughs> You don't have nearly as much content as no, Marvel does. No. Well, I should say, I, content you can watch. Well, I remember when it got to a point where like three Marvel movies were coming out a year. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my God, they're yeah, and really now, pumping this out. Now we're having multiple series per year and multiple movies. Well, it's hard to keep up. And I, I was thinking about this because I have not seen every single thing. Um and a lot of my experience going through, like, the last two Avengers movies was very, what, who, this character is from, what, it's, 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 it's Sergeant Zabalwoo from, 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 from the third Cap movie. Oh, right, I, I, I forgot about, like, that's for me. Sometimes I'm like, I, I probably should have seen a few of these other ones that I missed. Before. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I say the same thing about Star Wars. I recognize it, like. Because I've I've read a lot of the books, and I know that with every piece of Star Wars like content that I take in, I'm less able to have conversations about Star Wars with normal people. Because <laughs> <laughs> you'll bring up these things, and it's like I haven't read that that one shot. I'm sorry, I I don't know that that part of yeah. the story. And it's it's just funny because this is again, it's exactly what the comics are like. And I was having this my buddy Jose works at a comic shop and we were talking about how like the whole era basically from the late 80s to now is just every year there's this massive event in the Marvel universe. Things like uh, House of M or Civil War, Siege, Fear Itself. Mm. Like, there are these huge events that tie into all these other books. And it's just like, you never know which tie-ins you need to read to understand what's happening. Or which tie-ins are just like, oh, they make a casual reference to this happening. So it's like, yeah, there are times you're just like, wait, shit. Okay, hold on. I need to go pick up another comic book. Which I actually, I just subscribed to... Um, Marvel Unlimited, and I'm trying to get caught back up because of, I stopped reading regularly in, like, 2014. And as I'm trying to get caught back up, I'm like, wait, hold on. 
okay, I have to go read this other comic now. And you're absolutely right. Like, that's basically what the movies and shows have become at this point. Yes, it's very intertwined. There's so many little bits and pieces of things going on. I mean, it's like if you hadn't seen Endgame, you don't necessarily understand the beginning of Loki. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> like how? Because, you know, I can just see somebody being like, but but Loki died, I thought. You know, yeah. <laughs> like what? how is there a show about him? So, so well, they explain it. <laughs> By the way, I wanted to comment earlier on the scene. I love that you think uh, he has to choose between the villain and and saving someone. And but then the kids just like I can swim, go get him. Right, and it's like I love that. <laughs> I've always wondered. Like, so he just he had a, a fake tooth with a cyanide capsule in it. Standard. I'm like, how do you eat? <laughs> like once they <laughs> once they install the tooth. I never have thought about that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like ever. Do they install it for this specific mission? Or if you're like a deep cover spy, do you just always have a tooth in? Like, <laughs> is there just one tooth that when you join the organization, they're like, we're going to take this out now. And on specific missions, you're going to have one full of cyanide <laughs> in its place. Like, Because <laughs> they do that. They did that in Dune. But it's like, he's like dying. And it's like... <laughs> This is a very particular situation where he gives him this tooth to try and kill somebody. Right. It's not permanently there. Um, oh, God. Well, I was watching DS9, and there was a moment with the um, spoilers for final season of DS9 that there's a character, Sloan, who they're trying to get information from. And then uh, he's like, well, you know what? I, 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 there's, at least there's people like me willing to die to protect the Federation. And he like starts to bite down on one of his teeth. And it's exactly that thing where it's like, yeah, you've had that always. Like, <laughs> like when, <laughs> like what if you just were eating popcorn? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and like one of the kernels like accidentally goes where it's not supposed to. <laughs> So you're dead, son. I love that here. Yes, we have this the conversation where he's basically just like, yeah, you know, Hydra's kind of gone as far as it can with the Nazis. You guys aren't quite evil enough. <laughs> <laughs> and and again, people wear Hydra shirts. And I mean, I shouldn't be surprised considering that actual Nazis are back, but you just you wouldn't think that they would have branding. There is a difference between dressing up as a stormtrooper. And dressing up as Hydra, I feel <laughs> I feel like the parallel is just a bit more close. Yeah, I mean one <laughs> you know? one is like fantasy space Nazis, and the other one is Nazi Nazis. <laughs> but again, Nazis who thought Nazis were moderates. Does the Berlin's on a lot of maps, dude? <laughs> Wait, so I don't believe it does, but does the does the swastika show up anywhere in this movie? Or have they carefully I mean, omitted it because of... I'm pretty sure one of these guys had it on his arm. Well, it was like the SS little lightning yeah, symbols. It, but has, does anybody actually have... Does it ever show an actual swastika anywhere? I'm pretty, pretty sure. We'll keep our eyes out for it. And for those that don't know, the swastika is originally um, a, what, like a Buddhist symbol? Yeah, and, it and, represents the four winds. It's and, one of those things where you're like, can can this be reclaimed? Is it worth being reclaimed? Yeah, it's been so it's been so ruined by what the Nazis did to it. But if you do look, the original symbol is different. It, it's not um, tilted, and it goes the other way. But it's a shame because like people see you know 
you know, it's like there's a a park near me where um, this old estate, Orcutt Ranch, and I'll walk around it, and um, there's some old things there that have that there's like pre you know <laughs> pre World War Two. Uh, era that have like uh, the Buddhist original symbol on it and they have to put a sign, you know, that says like explaining the history of the swastika to be like, please don't be offended by this. <laughs> we promise we're not Nazis. We promise we're not Nazis. We're Nazis. Um, but uh, but anyway. <laughs> I, I really like this 1940s version of the futuristic submarine. <laughs> But the reason I ask is because I know that in Germany it is illegal to show. In modern Germany, is modern Germany, it's illegal to show the swastika. I believe. Yeah. So basically, Nazi propaganda is illegal in Germany. So I'm wondering if they omitted it for that purpose, or at least kept it to a very um, small amount so that it could be edited out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at this point, like we're just going to be seeing Hydra shit. Like, I think if anything, it probably would have been, you know, those uh, Nazis that were taking the tour earlier before they got vaporized. Hmm. I love the lighting here. It's very, I don't know. The scene is very pleasing. I will agree with you that the, the car door with the star is a bit much. That's even. <laughs> I feel like if it had one or the other, it would be fine. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. trash can or the car door, but having both. <laughs> so the costume that he wears for for this sequence, the uh, selling war bonds, is very much based on his classic costume from the comic. However. I've always wanted to see his classic costume in a movie, but like given a fair shrift. And this is not it. This, <laughs> this ain't is, it. This is just, yeah, we made a costume to sell war bonds. Not we made the actual classic Captain America costume with him being in a war in mind. Like, don't get me wrong. I really enjoy the costumes in this movie or, you know, Cap's costumes throughout the franchise. Avengers, a little rough. But, <laughs> but yeah, like I just I really wanted to see Chris Evans in that classic, you know, with the pirate boots. <laughs> I love these the singers. little metal wings on the side of his helmet. Like they they kind of you know have them as inlays in his helmets in the later movies. Yeah, and like I just give him the little wings. I think there's a hesitancy with some of the outfits. It's kind of like you look at Hawkeye's old outfit, and it's it's very goofy looking. You know, it 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 kind of is hard to set it in this semi serious tone universe. And I think that's a thing they have to deal with a lot. Where it's like, how do we take this outfit that kind of it works better when you're drawing it in a comic, and then when you are trying to make it real, we still want to be able to take this person seriously sure how well can you pull off little wings on the side of their head without it seeming just a tad too much well but see i feel like it's it's funny because by the time you get to like thor ragnarok um the hella costume is exact 
almost exact to the comic. Like when they when they showed her with like the full antlers and everything, mm-hmm. I was like, oh. Oh, they're actually doing it. Like, <laughs> like we finally hit a point with Marvel movies where it's like they're not trying to act like this isn't silly. Isn't so, it's true. And her performance is just she so was great. over the top and wonderful and hammy and just like but it also works a bit because Thor's kind of that way to begin with. Like okay. So that right there was a re- uh, the part with him sitting in the theater watching a film. That was a reference to old movie serials. Mm -hmm. I have the Captain America movie serial on VHS from 1941. Here's the problem. Yes. (laughs) Um, When they went to make the movie serial, it was supposed to be about a different superhero. In like the last two weeks before they went to shoot it, they realized that they didn't have the rights to make that superhero story. So Really? Okay. They're like, shit, what other rights do we have? They had Captain America. So... It's that other character's background, secret identity, all that stuff. But when he changes into costume, he's Captain America for some reason. Like, it has nothing to do with the actual character of Captain America. <laughs> like, they made him a district attorney. <laughs> His name was Grant Gardner. Like, None of this is right. Now you leave those boots alone. Oh no. He's actually using the shield. Oh, poor Cap. (laughs) Bring back the girls. Um, Those are amazing outfits, by the way. Yes. (laughs) Has anybody, do people ever cosplay as these? Oh, I'm sure. The the, the ladies from this Captain America movie? What was there, um, and I'm genuinely asking, I'm assuming there was, because a lot of Marvel properties had prior attempts before the MCU. Was there an old Captain America film from way back? Oh, yeah, there was two of them. There was two. They are not movies that exist. Yeah. <laughs> Not not one's uh It's it's <laughs> it's of the same era as like the Roger Corman Fantastic. I was Four. gonna say, uh, the, do they feel like Roger Corman movies? <laughs> I I hope because Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi, if you're listening, <laughs> if you are somehow listening, yes, regular listener Sam Raimi, <laughs> the regular listener Sam Raimi, but Sam Raimi feels like someone who would tap into the Roger Corman Fantastic Four <laughs> for the sake of, of Multiverse of oh Madness. My God, I would I laugh so. so hard. I hope so. It would be so funny. Please, please have some nod in there to it. Because a lot of people actually do speak somewhat fondly of that as still being like <laughs> possibly the best Fantastic Four adapt. Because because they never do a good adaptation of it. It never has like been properly worked into a film. Well, I, I'm excited to see what John Watts does with it. Mm. And also I feel like we had the like family sitcom vibe in WandaVision. That's, that's true. That's very much what Fantastic Four is. It's a family sitcom. It's basically modern family, but with superpowers. <laughs> it, is, it is a family sitcom about a super scientist that gets his family mutated into superheroes. And then there's like a Eastern European world leader who's pissed off at him. 
There you go. And, That's the Fantastic Four. And comedy ensues. Comedy <laughs> ensues. <laughs> I can spell. <laughs> it's kind of a shame that the Tommy Lee Jones couldn't really come back. But then maybe that's what makes it special that he's just here in this movie. Does he come back at all in no. any like moments? No. no, no, I didn't think so. Because he's so good in this. He's great in this and it's like there's a point, I think it's in Winter Soldier where he's like looking at old photos and you see you know, one of him, and it's like, oh, that's right. He doesn't show up again. Like, that's, he's really just a guy that Cap never saw again. Yeah, one of many. That is the shame about a lot of the supporting cast here is that, you know, unlike a lot of the other movies where characters could show up in in each other's films, everyone but Cap, Bucky, and, um, well, Carter, because of a series, Carter gets more time, but like she's also in Civil. Uh, uh, that's Winter true. Soldier. She shows up in Winter Soldier. Yeah, and I actually appreciate that and moment Ant-Man. where she, because um, they like you know imply that her Alzheimer's is yeah keeping her. And it, I, I ha- having dealt with people getting Alzheimer's, was, um, yeah, that moment kind of hits like it's really it's strongly. well done. It it is very much invokes the yeah. And it also kind of answers why, because, you know, you could say, like, well, yeah, there's an age difference, but they're both alive at this point. But it's also like, no, it's, you know, their lives are not, there's no future there no. at all for him. And so, um, again, something that does make the ending of Endgame that much more satisfying, where he gets he gets the happy ending that he deserved, that they both deserved. So... This look with the leather jacket and the military helmet with the A on it, all of this is uh, hearkening back to his costume from the Ultimates universe. Okay. Yeah, when you read the Ultimates comics. See, I would, again, this is why I'm glad (laughs) we're watching this together, because I can find out these things. I would have never known this, like just a subtle detail that's there. Yeah. Lovely reference. <laughs> so the the Ultimates universe, uh, for those who don't know, was in the early 2000s. They decided like, all right, we're going to make a parallel universe to the regular comic continuity. And it's we're going to tell a bunch like retell a bunch of these stories as what if they were being told for the first time today. And so, you know, you got to see Spider-Man as like a teenager in the early 2000s, which was great. That was my first comic that I was I actually read. Mm. Um, And so the reimagining of Cap's time in World War Two, this is what his costume looks like. And you can actually see it in the uh, animated uh, Ultimate Avengers movie. Hmm. The Valkyrie. Valkyrie, it's interesting that the name Valkyrie comes up so many times. And Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. For our... <laughs> Show me a picture. <laughs> yeah. The you, can't, you can't see it, listeners, but. It's just for Dax. It's just for me. All for Dax. All for Dax. <laughs> 
Is it just so? Is Valkyrie just the name of the ship and of the character in in Thor? Yeah. This is only a couple times it comes up. I feel like there's some other thing that's called. I mean, it was also the name of the plot to murder Hitler. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, to be fair, one of many plots to murder Hitler. Which one? <laughs> it's the one that they made a movie about with Tom Cruise. That's right. And you find out in in real life, the only reason why like the bomb they they planted didn't kill Hitler was because... If they were having a meeting at this giant old like oak table, and when they put the briefcase bomb down, it was on another side from the table leg, and the table basically like it's this giant old hardwood table, and it just took the brunt of the bomb and <sighs> spared Hitler. I'm like stupid, fucking well-made fucking table. tables, <laughs> stupid tables. <laughs> My, how the tables have not turned. No, I don't know. Felt like there was a joke in there. I couldn't find uh, it. You can find it later. It's <laughs> 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 uh, good timing. Yeah. But also, did- yeah, like this this has a lot of those old movie serial feels to it. And you know, like when he jumped in the truck earlier and you just hear the like the thwack, thwack, and the guys fall out. You know, that's very Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. I feel. Yeah, I don't know if I appreciated this movie that much the first time I saw it. But the MCU was also kind of in its infancy uh, at the time, and I think uh, giving it a rewatch now, um, I'm definitely appreciating it more, and I'm seeing more to like about it and enjoy. Um, and then, especially just hearing the things you have to say about like all the details and. And uh, the care that was taken with telling this like an actually good because this is the first actually good Captain America movie. Yeah, <laughs> like they did a, I, a damn fine job. And I would say, you know, Kevin Feige always talks about like the the success is being true to the characters and like being true to the characters, true to their relationships with one another. And, like, you don't need to tell the exact story the exact same way, but you need these people to experience certain things because that is what made them the people that they are. Mm. Especially, you think about some of these characters have been in print for, like, 40, 50 years. Like, that is a human lifetime of stories. All of these characters have been through a bunch of shit. They are developed as human beings in kind of an abstract way. So... You know, when somebody decides to come in and, like, reimagine a character, it's like, yeah, but we have, like, 50 years of storytelling here that you could easily pull from. And that's what they're doing. They're they're finding ways to take these big keystone moments for these characters and weave them together in, in just such a way that it tells us a new story, but is also, again, still true to who these people are. Yeah. Neil McDonough as Dum Dum Dugan is, I I wasn't entirely sure how I was gonna feel about it, but it's very fun. <laughs> Nazis with lasers. I should also say the the Ultimates comics I was talking about are where like they've pulled a lot of stuff from from those movies, like the Sam Jackson Nick Fury is definitely like he was the Ultimates universe version of Nick Fury. Hmm. And I just, I kind of wish 
Because the rumor that I've always heard is that it was between Sam Jackson and uh, John Hamm. Hmm. And John Hamm didn't want to do a superhero movie. Wow. But I've always really enjoyed like 1960s, like uh, Nick Fury. And he actually fought in World War II alongside Captain America. In fact, all these soldiers that we're going to meet that become Cap's team are in the comic Sergeant Fury's Howling Commandos. Okay. But yeah, like there was just there was a comic Sergeant Fury's Howling Sergeant Fury's Howling Commandos. It was just this they were basically like an A-team type unit mm-hmm. where like their whole thing is like, yeah, we're just going to go around hassling Hydra and Nazis. That's what we're doing. <laughs> and it's funny because they were running that comic simultaneously as Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was a 1960s spy thriller. And in uh, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., he had an eye patch and in Howling Commandos, he didn't. And so it was just like. That was like, what happens to his eye? What, like, <laughs> and when they eventually did tell the story, it was um, like he got shrapnel from a grenade in it. Hmm. And it's like he was told that they could heal it. He he would uh, basically his eye could heal, but he would be out of the out of the rest of the war. And he said, the hell with it. Give me an eye patch so he could just keep fighting alongside the howling commandos. Oh, wow. That document was the blueprint for the robot. Oh, oh yeah, my the goodness. robot suit. Yeah. See, and I wonder if that was put in just as an Easter egg for, you know, people who read the comics, or if that was like a no, we plan on having him come up in Well, I, I think the very smart thing that they've done is again, in being true to these characters and their relationships they are laying out a lot of threads that they can call back at any time. Um, so like, yeah, if they really want to, they can pull on that thread. Like they brought back Zola as like we talked about earlier, you know, as the, all those miles of data bank tapes making reference to that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. This is mo- I love this moment with, uh, Stephen Bucky. I will say the choice of having Bucky be the same age as Steve was something that bothered me when I first saw this movie. Oh, really? So it's different in the in the comic. Bucky is a teen sidekick, huh? Uh, yeah, he's. It's basically like you know the base that Steve is stationed on. Bucky is like the kid of one of the officers, so he's just always hanging around the base. And one day he sees Steve changing into his Captain America costume. And they decide that, you know, it's good for propaganda that he be, you know, Cap's teen sidekick. It wasn't until the uh, the Ed Brubaker run on the on the series, mm-hmm. which all of the Captain America movies have been pulling from the Ed Brubaker run of the series. Winter Soldier and Civil War both were stories from his run. Okay. And that was when they started talking about like, that's where they introduced, you know, Bucky coming back as the winter soldier. Cause he had just been dead since the sixties. Like that was one of the, like the constants of the Marvel universe is that Bucky stays dead. And then when they decided to bring him back, it was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, See, I was, I always feel bad for some of the comics fans when they're watching the movies and it's like these revelations that are, you know, meaningful to the, it's <laughs> a lot of people for the first time. It's like if you've read these comics, you're like, well, uh, oh, okay, they're doing that. You know, it's yeah. it's not necessarily as much of a shock because 
these story beats have been laid out previously. Well, and it's it's funny because like when my sister saw this movie with her husband, um, like and when you know later on Bucky falls off the train, she's like, "Oh no, Bucky dies!" And he just turned to her and he's like, "Whose sister are you?" <laughs> This is so well done. Why does he do that? <laughs> it's great. But why does he do it? <laughs> oh, He's telling I see. you. There we go. It's funny because his performance as Schmidt seems so over the top until he pulls off the like the Hugo weaving face. <laughs> it kind of retcons the rest of his performance. Yeah, and, like <laughs> from that point on, you're just like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, like that's a great Red Skull. It's a weird, you know, regular human. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hugo weaving always does feel a bit extra in everything he does, even in like the Lord of the Rings. It's he pushes just ever so slightly. The threat of Mordor. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what I was saying is like the Ed Brubaker run kind of retconned it as like, yeah, Bucky in public was the, you know, the scrappy teen sidekick of Captain America. That's so weird. I and mean, then I'd, in hmm. the actual battlefield, Bucky was like, yeah, he was a child, but he was like being trained as a sniper and shit. Like they would send him in because he was small and he could be quick and quiet. Hmm. Yeah. And that's when they build up to the legacy of him eventually becoming the Winter Soldier. The idea that like he ages up to be physically around the same age as, as Cap, Cap, yeah, because they keep putting him in and out of cryogenic stasis. And one of the really cool things they talk about, and I would love for them to address it in the show, is that when in the in the movies it's Hydra, in the comics it's a group called Leviathan. Uh, it's like a, a Russian version of Hydra. But they're the ones who ha who caught Bucky and, you know, turned him into the Winter Soldier. In fact, uh, he had a romance with Black Widow at one point. Hmm. But they say that, like, at various points, they would, you know, bring him out of cryogenic stasis, rewipe his mind, send him in after a target, and then sometimes he just wouldn't report in, and he would go missing for, like... <laughs> years at a time oh it's <laughs> funny and so like there's a point where cap's trying to follow the trail of the winter soldier and he just finds this like motel in middle america where there's like a picture on the wall and he was basically like this girl's stepdad at one point what yeah oh my god he just like moved to this town and had like a whole history of violence life before he was eventually found by leviathan again and taken back and mind wiped Comics are weird. <laughs> we got to keep it fresh, right? <laughs> but like, just think about that idea of like this guy who has no memory of who he is and just goes off the reservation and tries to start a life again and lives a life and then gets taken dragged back to it and all that is wiped away. But you have this grown woman now who remembers this guy who came into their life and was like briefly her stepdad. Right. Like, that's a, I feel like really, really well-written comics can give you concepts like that, where mm. it's just like, man, I have to sit with that for a little bit. 
Well, I feel like they, in some sense, they kind of start to tap into that with um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, which, by the way, I actually uh, am currently watching through. I had okay. not, I had not watched through it previously. I think I made it through like the first few episodes, but the beginning of that, they really do kind of sit with the idea of how like Bucky is dealing with these things that he did, but you know was controlled to do but he's mm-hmm. those memories still exist with him and kind of how hard it is for him to try to just exist yeah and try to you know live a normal life which i'm sure is a thing that happens with many soldiers coming back and trying to sit down and just live as a civilian yeah and, how, how do you live as a human when you've been trained to be a weapon um but bucky is like taking that to an utter extreme yeah and, where he was being used as a weapon for you know 80 years and it's how do you even, you can't even sit down and like have a date with somebody without just feeling, without being <laughs> reminded that you murdered someone in the middle of the date, <laughs> you know? You're like, oh God, how do I psychologically deal with this? <laughs> He's so good. <laughs> I'm really glad that we got this performance from Tommy Lee Jones. I know. I'm really glad that we got it so early in the MCU. Before things went really off the rails? Well, no, it's not that so much as like, (laughs) you know, this was still in an era where doing a superhero movie could be the end of your career. That's true. And I feel like people knew that Iron Man was different. People knew that these movies were different. Because I think, yeah, after Dark Knight, when people realize, like, oh, you can take superhero movies seriously on their own terms. Mm. It's kind of funny how it did really start with DC, but then Marvel sort of was able to maintain the continuity of a series of of movies that held that caliber and, and quality standard. Up, oh, there we go. <laughs> Hey, hey, how you doing, Stan? Uh, R.I.P. Stan. I feel bad. I'm going to have to look this up. Uh, the guy standing next to him is somebody, or sitting next to Stan Lee was somebody that I can't remember. Uh, these tunnels are real. They they were the, uh, the, the bunkers where um, fucking Winston Churchill oversaw the whole war effort. God, I love this color grading. Again, so unique amongst all these, uh, all these MCU films. And while you look that up, I'm gonna look up if there are swastikas in Captain okay. America. <laughs> I was gonna do that earlier, and I forgot. Look how clean cut everybody's hair is. Everybody's handsome, lovely. <laughs> okay, Google. Are there swastikas <laughs> in Captain America, the first Avenger? <laughs> Someone has to. Let's see. 
So this this bar, interestingly, it comes back later on, mm-hmm. and it's post Blitz. And I listened to the commentary on this, and Joe Johnston talks about how like a lot of people didn't realize that it's supposed to be the same bar, and it's supposed to be you know showing you that yeah the war war keeps going on. Wait, what is the name of those lightning bolt symbols? Is it the Iron Cross? No, or, no, no what that's, is the, the, that's for the SS. Or is the SS... What well, is that... Uh, so the symbol itself is not called... I don't... I don't, I don't know, <laughs> man. It's called an SS symbol. Wait, hold on. I'm like... Google, don't... Don't think... The wrong thing here. Uh, oh, I see. That's okay. That's the Iron Cross. Is the literal cross? SS symbol. Yeah, it's just called SS bolts. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I think that may have been Joe Johnston <laughs> sitting next oh, to Stanley. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Oh, apparently we should, we should talk about young Howard Stark. Here is so great. Like you believe, yes, this this is the father of Robert Downey Jr. Yes, Stark. <laughs> and here we have Natalie Dormer before her. Great turn is Marjorie Tyrell in Game of Thrones. And so, again, we're watching this because it's the chronological order, but the beauty of the release order of this coming a few films after Iron Man is that this is one of, you know, the first examples of where it's playing around with the world building, where you go, oh... This is, you know, you have Stark, the Stark lineage is present and important in this movie. And it it connects it in some way to, you know, you know what I mean? Where it's like, that was not a huge thing amongst these films initially. Well, and I I just, I really enjoy the idea that, like, he's that rebel playboy billionaire, but he's also working for, like, a super secret government agency. And it's fun because Stanley talked about how when he created Iron Man in the first place, he wanted to base him on Howard Hughes. and But he was like Howard Hughes in the 60s. Well, except he was like how Howard Hughes was in the 40s in the 1960s. Being that rebel playboy billionaire who's mm-hmm. a little bit eccentric. Howard Hughes was a lot of bit eccentric. But again, here we are in the movie in the 1940s. And they just, I feel like they leaned all the way in on making Howard Stark into Howard Hughes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you did, you did take a while to reel back from that kiss, Cap. <laughs> I mean, just, just, 
I mean, <laughs> Natalie Dormer. <laughs> this one's fun. Vibranium. Which, like, I really enjoy... Oh, hold on. <laughs> it's a normal, rational thing to do in a workplace. You were about to say. Well, also real quick, um, Cap designing the uniform, and earlier when you saw him drawing a picture of like him as a performing monkey, mm -hmm. and there was also a deleted scene from the Avengers where you see him drawing. Like that's a a character trait of Cap in the comics is that he's also an artist. And oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like they they care about the details, and that's one of the many reasons why this franchise means so much to me is that. It's very clear that they give a shit. It's very clear that these are being made by people who understand why these things work. Oh, totally. And I would say even like, you know, I don't think every entry into the MCU is like necessarily an amazing film, but I think at the very least, it always feels like they are being fairly true to the source material and like care was given in a lot of ways that sure. is not always the case. And Almost all of these characters have their own individual distinct tone, which is why their individual movies all feel very different. And when you bring them all together in the Avengers movies, like those movies also have their own tones. Hmm. Yeah, they have like a... T it's many notes coming together into a chord. Yes. Oh, that's a good way of putting it. And it is very difficult to maintain... It's like a Smash Brothers, you know, where you're trying to stick all these different disparate things together, but you have to put some kind of unifying uh, gloss or, or quality over it. Here you go. Ah. I love this theme song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are it failing. still looks so good though like the cg to remove his nose and everything like it's it's another great thing that like these movies have the best visual effects technology at their time in every movie yeah, they were always trying to push the limits of what they could do. Well, and even like, um, I remember when um, I was watching, I was watching Infinity War with my dad, and I mentioned, um, he said something about Thanos, uh, 
and I had said like, oh yeah, no, this is an incredible effect. And he's like, wait, it's an effect? And it was like, he didn't realize. Yeah, how it, how else would you have that giant man, that he, giant purple man? <laughs> but it's a testament to like, but, yeah, how your brain kind of just accepts like the physicality of him and he feels like he's really there. So this character in the foreground wearing the red beret. This is uh, John Fallsworth, who was not a member of the Howling Commandos, but he, in the comics, is the character Union Jack, who mm. is, you know, a a British-themed uh, superhero. I don't believe he has any powers. I think he's much more like a, a World War II-era Batman, but he just... <laughs> Here, I'll show you, I'll show you his costume. <laughs> Please. Oh, that's pretty sick. Yeah, <laughs> I actually love that. It's basically just like a Union Jack onesie. <laughs> or like a, like a Zentai. <laughs> so, do they ever explain why uh, Stark had this vibranium in the first place? Or is it just somehow... <laughs> Somehow like, he got his hands on it. I mean, we know that Tony Stark went to, you know, fucking... Uh, he, he he ran with smugglers. Okay. Yeah. He made a, makes a comment in Age of Ultron that, like, there are conventions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question, and I don't know if it's been answered, but... Um, because Cap's shield gets destroyed in the in the end game fight, right? Yeah. But at the very end, he has another one. Have it's, they It's different. But have they actually explained where specifically Nope. that different shield came from? Okay. Nope. So we don't know if it was another one made for him at some point or if it's from an alternate timeline or or what happened in that scenario right like it's just it's one of the many things that they just haven't fleshed out yet but you know that they will <laughs> they're gonna tell you how he got another one uh what's very fun while all this is going on uh the character gabe jones is walking across the top of the train to try and take the engine gabe jones in the first issue of sergeant fury's howling commandos is drawn as a white guy mm. because the artist just assumed that it must have been a mistype. Hmm. Like, black guy? That can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and here we have a moment that uh, will not be paid off for another... <laughs> Uh, how five, six, seven, however many films? Well, no, because after this we had Avengers, then Iron Man, Iron Man uh, three, three, Thor: The Dark World, and then Winter Soldier. Oh, because there's only four. Yeah. And then I believe Guardians. So it's kind of it's kind of a shame. It's a little hard to feel sad about that. I mean, it is still sad what happens to Bucky, but well, okay. This is another great scene. I let's let this play out. We're gonna let this scene play out. You'll have to hear silence for a bit, or just the movie. I might grunt 
or make reactionary sounds. Hmm. <laughs> I like that he said Rogers is mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Stops cheering. I, just, I really appreciate the sanity of the plans of no consequence yeah. because he can do it. It's like, yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter if it's sane or not. Yeah, you're right. His acting does fit a lot more <laughs> once once he goes full red skull take its place god he's just such a good villain and i feel like that's see that was one of my Feelings watching Matrix 4 was the absence yeah. of him as Smith. So this is the same bar that he recruited recruited the commandos in. Oh, okay. But you know, the blitz happened. Sorry, I'm just I'm just in love with all these hairstyles. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm distracted. Every time. Hair hair and costumes did not waste a moment in this movie. <laughs> Hmm. 
Neither can Wolverine, actually. Hmm. I forgot about this. I forgot about that the, that's a thing. He actually can't get drunk. So wait, in um in Avengers Age of Ultron, when they're all drinking, is he like one of the only sober ones? Yeah. That's a really lovely attention to detail. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah, he just physically can't get drunk. There there's an issue I remember once it was an issue with, uh, I think it was Spider-Man and Wolverine. And it was just like Wolverine hanging out in a bar and just doing shots. Like he's just ripping <laughs> shots back because he'll get drunk for like 30 seconds. And then his you know healing factor flushes it out of the system. And like it was just funny watching Wolverine be shit faced for, you know, like four panels and then be completely sober. Like, God damn it. <laughs> it's gone. eastern seaboard but that's where i'm from look at all those maps hmm that's right cap and I love that I love that like color wise the cut from that you know strong amber sepia scene to like lots of blues and mm-hmm. greens it's a really nice actual contrast in the cut itself to indicate that you're in a new location I mean also this scene is just fun cuz it's a thematic callback to both the uh I feel like the speeder bike sequence Mm. in Return of the Jedi, but also, of course, the motorcycle chase in Last Crusade. Mm. Also, as... uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. As somebody who has, like... Oh, there was our Wilhelm scream. Sorry. There we go. (laughs) No, there's a... My father, my uncle, my grandfather all rode motorcycles in a club back in, like, the 70s. And, uh, yeah, it's all Harleys. And I really appreciate that Cap... Rides a Harley because he always rides a Harley <laughs> in the comics. But the fact they keep him on a Harley in this, and then in Age of Ultron, they have Black Widow riding the first all-electric Harley. Oh, that's that's a cute detail. Yeah, I think you know the more that that you're pointing a lot of these things out, um, at the very least, like you always do feel the love. That, yeah, like the people making these have a very strong love for the comics and the characters. And I don't think you could make these things without having that. Well, it's like the physicality of the way that Cap moves, the way that the shield, like the physics on the shield, like when it does and does not obey physics. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's Listen. <laughs> it's all so right, though. It's kind of like how when we saw uh, like the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, seeing him web swing through the city, it looked right like after all these years of reading the comics or cartoons and whatnot, like you see him swing through the city and it looks right. And it's just like, yeah, even in those still panels, there's a rhythm to the way these characters move. And this movie captures the way, like the whole franchise captures the way that cap moves perfectly. 
Um, I agree. And again, like the shield, like that's one of those things that if you didn't get it just right, it would look silly the way the shield bounces around. Yes. It would just look like a weird Frisbee. Right. But it always feels cool. I think the sound design yeah. is mostly what makes the shield work. That, that nice bang. There's like a lot of always like good Doppler effect with this weird metallic yeah. Yeah. sound that is very unique. I, I'd be curious how they generated the sound for the shield. <laughs> I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. I feel like Red Skull has strong feelings about Brooklyn. Probably sold his brownstone before the market exploded. Ah, there, he said it. How many times does the I can do this <laughs> all day? Um, I I can think of three times that he says it. Mm-hmm. But there's this great moment. In, in Hawkeye? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was... Okay. We'll we'll not call it great. Um No, but even for that I do appreciate they got a bunch of like professional Broadway actors to come in and do that. To do that. Um sorry to cut you off there. No. I lost the, my train of thought. This is when Cap fights Cap in Endgame. Yeah, that's good said, too. He says what he says I could do this all day. He's like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> but there's that there's that moment in Endgame right before the portals open and you see him like use the broken shield to splint his broken arm you see him just Ugh. fucking grit his teeth as he does it and like he looks at an oncoming army and he doesn't say it out loud but you know he's thinking it and you're just like yeah Cap never gives up he could do this all goddamn day <laughs> Is there a ringing in the, it felt like in the soundtrack they put like a high pitch kind of ringing noise there to make it feel Mm. more like you were just in an explosion. Maybe you have tinnitus. Let me take off the headphones. Mop, mop. I think it might have been something else. <laughs> I think it was something somewhere else in the apartment. <laughs> I I like these three these flamethrower guys. They're just walking around with like flamethrowers on their fists. Like, is that something that you put on when you realize the battle's happening? Or <laughs> no, because when he first rides it on the motorcycle, there's at least two of them. Right. So these guys are just walking around. Like, this is their day job, is to just have flamethrowers for fists <laughs> they're like resident evil villains or something they <laughs> i don't know why but those three guys getting shot down. always makes me laugh <laughs> it's like oh almost made it right like not a one of them made it on board <laughs> well i feel like okay so you can have ammunition and firepower in this and there is some level of tech that is beyond what was actually feasible at the time. But you still need it to take place in this Marvel universe where this tech exists. Like, there's still lasers. But if you go too far with it, it's not going to feel like it's in the past enough. Well... You know what I mean? But so it's like everything, everything here that is futuristic 
feels like that 1940s version of futuristic. The future of yesterday. Right. And even like, you know, this flying wing here, which of course we talked about in Raiders of the Lost Ark, the flying wing they had in that. Check like, out our Raiders of the Lost Ark episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you haven't already. <laughs> like they, um, the Nazis never had a flying wing, but we did. Hmm. And like, yeah, it wasn't that big, but the idea of a flying wing is very, you know, it makes sense for the era. Also, I love that this car, they built this car. It is so long that it can't make turns. That's funny. I also like the very small detail of you could see the Hydra symbol for like a split second on the very front of the car. Oh, yeah. On the hood ornament. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ha ha. Well, you heard her, Cap. <laughs> it's because he's so like this, dead. This moment with the propeller. Ah. Uh, also, the, I I always feel like the chair on the plane looks comfortable. <laughs> Red Skull's chair. It's it's a good thing this car has like 47 cylinders. Right. <laughs> you want to like get out of that car? <laughs> right. Maybe not stand up. It would really suck if this just went to like a compartment that had no access to the interior of the plane. <laughs> Now, is it silly that the, that it's written in English? <laughs> yes, but is it silly that it's written at all? Yeah, but again, it's one of my like one of the reasons why I feel like these movies work is that they're taking them on comic books terms. It's not trying to take comic books and force them into movies. Hmm. It's it's trying to make movies feel more like comics, which I appreciate. And like, that's the kind of detail that like, does it make sense? No. Does it make sense in a comic book? Of course it does. <laughs> right. I could see Jack Kirby just writing New York on a bomb. Right. <laughs> also, Cap's just straight murdering people. <laughs> I, uh, yep. Oh, no. Wait, where's his shield right now? Is it's it, on the plane. It's on the plane. They showed it landing specifically. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of brutal. That guy just ejected over the North Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> this is also uh i believe alan silvestri's first marvel movie oh okay that makes sense i actually did, couldn't remember who did the score for this yeah it's alan silvestri and then he would go on to do the score for all of the avengers movies i know he, he didn't come back for winter soldier because that was henry jackman hmm 
Who did which movies did Danny Elfman do? Uh, he he uh, co-did the score for uh, Age of Ultron. That's what I thought. So he did have a hand in one of the Avengers yeah. movies. Yeah, I, I think that was Danny Elfman and Alan Silvestri. Let's check it out. I'm looking. I'm looking. Um, to the internet. To the um, but I will say Alan Silvestri, I think, is one of those as far as like. Oh, it was Brian Tyler and Danny Elfman. Oh, as far as movie magic goes, I feel like Alan Silvestri is always a very solid choice. Yeah. Oh, well, that's funny. They they like mention Back to the Future in Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> and they've got Alan Silvestri doing the score. I never thought about that. Um, Alan Silvestri to me always felt like uh, John Williams Jr. A little, yeah. But I feel like he has his own kind of like whimsical quality though. Definitely. Like it's it's clear they're they're drinking from the same wells. And though like, you know, none of the None of the score for, say, Who Framed Roger Rabbit stands out to me in memory. It all feels very appropriate and important yeah. for the sake of the movie. And I think that's a hard thing to do, to have music this, that this isn't... This fight is just neat. It is neat. This isn't necessarily, like, strongly melody-driven, but still is driving the emotion and heart of what's going on. It's a difficult skill to master. The power of the gods! Put a flag on your chest and think you'll fight a battle of nations! (laughs) Cap Cap loves flags. (laughs) So this is cool because the image that it conjures is of the world tree Yggdrasil as you see it in Thor. Oh. The Tesseract. So yeah, here you go. Yeah, that's the world tree from Thor. Huh. And the fact that we got... They they delivered on this in uh, Infinity War makes me so happy. Because for the longest time, I was like, but where did Red Skull go? Right. Oh, he's going like, it's off clear to, that he's, he's not dying. To, he's being taken somewhere. He's off to Vormir mm-hmm. to become a ghost. A, a, a specter? Is, he kind of, he floats, right? He floats. He's like, and is like made of smoke. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of. He's like a wraith. That's what I'm going to go with. He's a wraith. I, I, I looked this up because I was wondering too, like, why they gave him that role and logistically it was because they wanted a character that had been introduced previously whom you would believe saying the things that he was saying about mm-hmm. the stone but like it it's an interesting choice because it's almost like it in, implies that he's been punished by the stone yeah for trying to abuse it It's like, you want to abuse this power? We're going to make you a freaking servant of Mm -hmm. the stones. Oh, no, Cap. Oh. You know, 
You could turn the plane around. Just Ellen, turn the plane around. That's true. Alan Silvestri was also conductor and orchestrator for the score for for this film as well as the Avengers. And he was nominated. So for Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, the score was nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Music, apparently. And won a BMI Film Music Award. Mm. Look at you, Alan. There's no reason for this, Cap. <laughs> you could turn the plane around. You could bail out right now while you've got it pointed at the land. We need him to show up later. Yeah. In the comic, it was an experimental, like, robot plane that was... Basically, it was a remote control plane with a bomb on it. And uh, Baron Zemo was sending it... uh, I forget where it was going to blow up, but Cap and Bucky ride a motorcycle, jump off the motorcycle onto the bomb plane and Cap ends up falling off but Bucky gets stuck to it and the plane explodes with Bucky on it. Oh man. Yeah. And so Cap lands in the ocean, gets frozen, the Avengers find him 20 years later. It's a very convenient conceit that all they had to do was like add decades. Yeah. To the fro- to the frozen time, you know? <laughs> it's like, how do we get him to... Well, same way. Well, same way. even like within, <laughs> within the world of the comic, it's always like just assume that everything from like the Fantastic Four showing up in 1963 to now has all been about like maybe 15 years in real time. Hmm. Yeah, it becomes tricky to reconcile as too much time goes by. Yeah, like it's just like, I guess technology moves real fast in that world. <laughs> I remember it being a big deal that Flash Thompson had a transistor radio in the like early Spider-Man comics. <laughs> Wowee. V.E. Day. Woo! To the captain. I would love if they brought back Fallsworth as Union Jack. That'd just be fun. You hear that, Disney Plus? (laughs) They found it. They found the Tesseract. He comes back in Agent Carter. Wait. Howard Stark? Oh, okay. Yeah. So... Agent Carter is about more or less the creation of S.H.I.E.L.D., because it's basically her and Howard Stark and the Howling Commandos kind of taking um, the SSR and turning it into S.H.I.E.L.D. Hmm. 
Aww. So when he goes back in time, it doesn't alter this continuity. It's assumed that he kind of goes back to a different reality. <laughs> Or is that yeah, not been that's, clarified? That's something that both the uh, the writers and the directors of Endgame disagree on. <laughs> oh, <So> really? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we will get an answer at some point, but as of right now, there's no conclusive answer. Well, couldn't he have just used, like, you know, say she's just passed away in that timeline, couldn't he have just used the Pym Particles to jump back? to the original reality. Well, I think that's what ended up life. happening. Like when he comes back as an old man. Yeah. It's not that he's lived through that timeline. It's that he came back. Yeah. I have to imagine there's a whole other timeline where he like stopped the Kennedy assassination. Right. <laughs> Cause it's hard to think that Rogers wouldn't, you could just stand by and do nothing. We're gonna it's like we're gonna get into freaking like Dragon Ball logic where there's like five different timelines based on one event that happens, you know. <laughs> Did you see Far From Home yet? I have not seen it yet. I will um, say nothing then. Oh my god. No, I it I've been trying to in recent in the last year, I've been making attempt to like catch up with a lot of this stuff. And I still haven't seen the second Spider-Man mcu movie so i probably should watch that first yeah before watching far from home yeah especially because far from home picks up literally they recreated the scene from the end of the second movie down to like what the extras are wearing behind the main characters hmm. uh because <laughs> yeah it picks up immediately after it yeah like spider-man is in the middle of saying a word when the movie picks up like it cuts off in in the movie, it cuts off with him saying "What the fuck," and then it cuts, <laughs> and then this movie picks up with "What the?" and a car horn blares over it. <laughs> It'd be funny if it was just <laughs> right. <laughs> just started with that, and you know, and you know, to point out the color grading is totally different. Mm -hmm. We've all colors are present in this shot because of all the advertising. The deleted scene for this is like. It's funny because of how long it is, because Cap just has so many questions about being back, and they just stand there and talk about it. <laughs> In the middle of Times Square. Yeah. But what a lovely way to make this completely disorienting. Mm -hmm. Just, It's literally taking him from a simpler time to this time with all these colors and lights and things around him, just a million images like bombarding him with information but it's also a place that he knows it's times square like times square was there when he was there oh i had a date <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> i want you poster yeah it's all uh war bonds posters for the uh credits this is well done. I appreciate like whenever they go the extra mile with the graphics and the credit sequences, which the Disney Plus shows, I think, have been knocking it out of the park with the credit sequences. I don't know if that's a I, thing people have talked about very much. I find it funny um, that like, you know, when we were growing up, 
this would be at the beginning of the movie. Yes. That shifted over time. Yeah, they moved it to the end to the end of the movie. I don't know when that happened. Or sometimes they do the important quote unquote people first. Yeah. And then they would do the bulk later, but But even this, like this is the main titles. This is all like above the line people or like department heads. Ellen Silvestri. There he is. Yes. And it's just it's just so funny because like, yeah, this was what would be at the beginning of any any movie that we grew up with, and now they've just moved it to the end. It's like we're not gonna stop making awesome credit sequences. <laughs> we're just gonna get you into the movie faster. <laughs> so which, which like I was watching the Raimi Spider-Man movies, and the opening credits for those movies are so goddamn long. <laughs> yes, they're very long. <laughs> So this is just something I want to comment on. I have a weird specific, like personally, I have this sort of fascination with propaganda art. Yeah. I love, regardless of what the art is saying, I find it fascinating. And I, I love like looking through like, huh, how, how were people trying to manipulate the masses into patriotism. Yeah. There's just something I find fascinating about it. <laughs> it's 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 very purposeful iconography. It's like, you know, most of the stuff we see is about, you know, like, hey, buy this shit. But this is very purposeful iconography that's meant to appeal to something really base about humans, mm. about our sense of pride in our nation. And it's like... Yeah, when you're trying to make a poster to ask somebody to put their life in jeopardy, how do you go about that? How do you represent that? Yeah. <laughs> no, and I love that's why I like this whole credit sequence, because it just apes off of all of that kind of iconography in a kind of fun, tongue-in-cheek sort of way. Yeah. And then... <laughs> forgot. Right, we get Star-spangled this. Star-spangled man with a plan. <laughs> we get this at the very end. <laughs> So this one doesn't have a post-credit sequence. It has a trailer for the Avengers. Oh, really? Well, we'll watch it. I'm curious, actually, to yeah. see what the trailer was. It is It is a very 2012 um, credit sequence, or, uh, or movie trailer. <laughs> I just... The, uh, the character of Jim Morita in mm. this, who is one of the Howling Commandos, is... Uh, the same actor plays the principal in the Spider-Man movies, and there's a picture of him as Jim Morita hanging up as, like, the principal's ancestor. <laughs> and it's like, that's fun. I really appreciate that. Again, little tiny ways that you keep all of this stuff connected. It goes a long way. Which I find it really interesting that uh, Kevin Feige was talking about how going forward he doesn't intend to have these like giant long contracts for the actors. It really seems like people are just working on these movies because it's such a positive experience. That's nice. Yeah. I think like didn't Cumberbatch say something recently about that regarding Strange that yeah. it's just like... I it's still fun, so I'm going to keep doing it as long as they're keeping it fun. Yeah, that's what Chris Hemsworth said about playing Thor. Like, he wants to be Thor forever. <laughs> Please. He's perfect. <laughs> like he, I, And I really, I am very curious what a Guardians movie, including Thor, 
is going to be like. Yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> the Asgardians of the Galaxy. The Asgardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and also, I don't know. It's just I'm so wondering what they're going to do with Gamora. Um, it's such a shame in a way because it's like all of that character development from the first two is kind of, I don't say gone, but it's it's just like you're dealing with basically a new character at this point. I'm just curious. I mean, how but we watched them. Yeah, we watched them pull it off with Loki. That's true. Loki does, in fact, take an alternate <laughs> era Loki and and do something very interesting with it. Um, so who knows? We'll see how bizarre this all goes. Oh my God! Look at look at all these names. Yeah. All these people. Yeah, you know what? I like this film more, watching it now. Yeah? I think, yeah. It definitely... I, I'm i just appreciating what makes it unique. And I do think that having having all the stuff that comes after it does, in a way, recontextualize it. Sure. That, that wasn't necessarily a way you could appreciate it when it first came out, because it was still so early on. Um, but it it is clear all the love and detail and everything that went into it. It has a strong heart and message. And you could say, you know, a common criticism of cap is that he's, he's not an internally conflicted character necessarily as far as like, like he's not a bad guy. And so it's like, well, how do you write a story about someone who is, who doesn't have these like inner demons? But what you were saying, you, you, you introduced the idea of his country, not, like the ideals that he once held not being in place anymore. Right. And the conflict isn't within him. The conflict is between him and kind of the way things have become. The conflict is within the concept of the character of Captain America, because Steve Rogers is Steve Rogers. Right. (laughs) He puts, he puts on this costume and he is Captain America and he, he subjected himself to testing. He did all of these things because he believed in his country and, when you see him drop his shield at the end of Civil War and when he comes back in uh, in Infinity War and he's got the star ripped off the chest of his uniform, mm. that was meant to uh, basically evoke... There was an era when Steve Rogers dropped the shield, he swore off being Captain America, and he became the character Nomad, the man without a country. Mm. And so, like, that was without coming out and saying, like, he's Nomad now. Like, it was a little bit of a taste of that. <laughs> And it's funny because he became nomad because it was real revealed that a major governmental figure was actually a member of the secret empire, which is like a, it's basically like if the clan actually had some control. Okay. <laughs> and so, but it was also like a direct response to Watergate. And okay. so in turn, basically, Captain America loses faith in the country because of Watergate and becomes Nomad the Man Without a Country. That sounds very interesting. Which is what I, I love when people, you know, they're like, oh, you're forcing politics into into comic book. I'm like, no, no, His no. His name's Captain always, America. But they've always <laughs> been political. Like, I, I if you check on my, on my website of distantlands.com, I wrote a whole piece about this while uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was coming out. And it's like the idea of a guy wearing red, white, oh. and blue punching Hitler on the front cover of this comic book, that was a political statement because we were not like there were still people in the United States who were pro Nazi 
openly. Mm. Like, this was only two years after there had been a massive Nazi rally at Madison Square Garden. Like, yes, this was a political statement to have two Jewish kids from Brooklyn, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, put a guy in an American flag punching Hitler in the face. Yes. <laughs> that's very that's very politics heavy. This is an aside, but I noticed that David Zippel wrote the lyrics for that song. I didn't realize that. Uh, he, he wrote the lyrics for Hercules, the Disney... Animated I remember so. seeing this and thinking like it's happening because it's the next movie like we're we're gonna see it happen and so this is just a trailer yeah I remember all the way up until the movie came out people were saying it wasn't gonna work wait is the trailer letterboxed yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> Trying to save it. Oh man, this is next summer. It is very 2012. You think the only one to save the world? Some slow mo that wasn't shot to be slow mo required. Uh, it's it's kind of funny because this was still a big deal, but it does feel kind of quaint now. Yeah. We're putting six characters together. Right. <laughs> like, oh, wowee. <laughs> Great. Which is funny because, like, <laughs> yeah, when you have the, uh, when you have Endgame with the portals open and Doctor Strange asks Wong, is that everybody? And Wong's like, what, you wanted more? <laughs> and that was like a direct response to people who were like, yeah, but is Daredevil going to show up? <laughs> and it's like, in that moment, I'm like... What about the X-Men? What about... It's like, come on. This well, is so many characters. <laughs> but, but like, yeah, they could have brought in Daredevil and Luke Cage and all that. And it's like, I know that that would have been way more than was necessary. <laughs> But when he asks, what, you wanted more? I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't admonish me, Wong. Pay for Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> no, but like, yeah, I think at a certain point, the, the fact that, especially those two Avengers movies, the fact that they work, given how many characters and storylines are happening, yeah. is kind of um, miraculous in a way it's very very impressive that and, it even is coherent and it's it's great like there's so many little ways that it pays off moments like even just like you know comedy comes in threes you have the running joke in guardians one and two about uh rocket just like scamming people out of their robotic body parts. <laughs> I'm going to get that arm. And, yeah, and then in Infinity War, he, he's saying to Winter Soldier, he's like, oh, I'm going to get that arm. Like, yeah. Like, After he had also, yeah, and when he, he got the eye that he gives the Thor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, so you so he paid you in the eye. No, 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 no. I snuck in later and stole his eye. <laughs> um, well, there's also the running joke with On Your Left. Yeah. It's very satisfyingly paid off in that movie. Um <laughs> I I cried like a child in that movie. Aww. Like, I cried when the portals opened, and then I started getting myself under control, and then Cap said, assemble, and I was just... If, you know, I, he says uh, it quiet, too. Yeah. Assemble. <laughs> I feel as though as soon as he says the words assemble, I basically, you know, transcended into, like, a mist. 
<laughs> you cease to exist. I was for... no longer human. <laughs> well, perhaps we'll get to those eventually. I cannot say that we will go through every <laughs> MCU film. I don't believe that's a feasible undertaking. I mean, don't uncork the bottle, man. <laughs> like, if you're not willing to take a drink, don't uncork the bottle. <laughs> don't say no. I'm not even sure which one we do. I guess if we wanted to go chronologically. I, if we're going to do this, I got it. I got this. <laughs> okay. I, I, I will feed you, baby bird. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, we have so many other things, but maybe this should be a recurrent, uh, thing that we integrate. I mean, yeah, we still gotta get back to doing the theatrical cut of Blade Runner. <laughs> what did we want? We only watched the final cut. Yes. Um, you sure you don't want to start with the work print? <laughs> I mean, I feel like we need to go, <laughs> we need to go in the order of, uh, theatrical cut, international theatrical cut. Right. Work print. <laughs> Director's cut. <laughs> and then we move on to the short films. Right. Which and I then, say we do all three short films, uh, four short films, because I like to slip in that uh, Peter Whelan TED talk. But four <laughs> short films. We did those four short films as one episode. We can throw that out as like an extra. I don't know. I don't and know. Then, and then 2049. What do you think, <laughs> multiple fans who are currently listening? What do you think? What should we banter over? Um, yeah, I, we have those. We, I still would like to do Back to the Future parts two and three at some point. Um, I'd even be down to do more of the Matrix films. Yeah, I, I'm I, about it. I like Reloaded. I, it's, a lot of people have criticisms of those sequels, but I it's like that It's funny, one. though. Like I, I have been you know, both in private and also on the podcast. I've talked about how those movies get such a bad rep. And if you go back and watch them now, they're actually really good. It was just we it wasn't what we all wanted. And so we were just like, it's not what I want. It's crap. And it's like, no, they're actually really good movies. And I think a lot of people have been realizing that over the last few years. And it's funny because, like, I'll try to have conversations with people and I'm like, yeah, but if you rewatch it and they're like, oh, I I don't need to rewatch it. I remember that movie like. Yeah, but you don't. <laughs> Rewatch them. Yeah. And then tell me you hate them. Exactly. <laughs> but no, I think especially like action wise that there is a thing that, well, is even, it's hard to do now the way that they did action as proof by the fourth one. The fourth one, to me, the fight scenes don't feel like they did in two and three. Oh, and I Honestly, I, I feel like a lot of that has to do with uh, Lily Wachowski not coming back hmm. because it was just Lana Wachowski directing this one. Right. And, you know, it's it's very clear that they are a directing duo. Yes. Which isn't to say that Lana Wachowski can't direct. It's just when trying to go back to the old recipe, it makes more sense to have the old ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely it ends up feeling different uh, in a way that is not necessarily consistent with the fabric of everything that happened before. But you could argue it's a new matrix altogether i don't know you could come up with the reasons to this not is, let it bug you this is a conversation this for is another a definitely time. An, another time combo but uh point being we've got a lot to go through and if you have a roadmap for uh further mcu films, no, no 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 we are not outsourcing <laughs> this i got you oh no no i'm I saying to you, you literally <laughs> oh i have a roadmap i have a roadmap <laughs> good but good. yeah um <laughs> We're so, not outsourcing them. thank you, humble <laughs> listeners and or jerk listeners. 
thank you for coming back yet again and going on this ride with us. And who knows where this ride will take us next. This was a lot of fun. Thank, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, remember, thank you for surprising me with. This. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, well, I'm we can. I, I know what you're trying to do. I know. But we should plug our pluggables. <laughs> oh shoot, we should. Yes. <laughs> Somebody's got to keep on top of this. <laughs> so where can they find us? Uh, well, you can find us on Twitter at Cinepraisal. You can find us on uh, Instagram at Cinepraisal. Really. We're on most of the social medias as at Cinepraisal because no one else had it. It's the fun of coming up with portmanteaus. Come up with something unique and uh, it'll be available, hopefully. Right. Um, as for my stuff, you can find me. I'm at Dungeons and, and Dungeons and Daleks. It's the Dungeons, the letter N, Daleks. Because uh, I'm a nerd. Uh, you can find me on most socials with that. Uh, check out my website, updistantlands.com. Pick up a copy of my book. And uh, this guy over here, what's happening? I'm, I'm at Dick. <laughs> I'm at Dak Schaefer on all the things. I have been very silent in the last year, but it's, it's because I kind of made an effort to unplug uh, for my own mental health uh, reasons. But uh, when I have more to share and do, I have been working on stuff. So eventually I will have things to, to say, go check this out. But at the moment, alas, uh, it is just things like this. So uh, keep listening to our podcast, you know. Fascinating. Yes. Fascinating. Anyway. <laughs> so, yes, once again, thank you very much. And remember, keep, keep watching, watching movies. movies. I like you trying to speed me along. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wait, what's a good line from the film? <laughs> what's what was the line you, I you thought really he'd loved? Be taller. <laughs> I could do this all day. All right, we're done. <laughs>